listeners, it's the DC Comics News Podcast. We're back for episode number 86. But let me introduce, first of all, my friends, my partners, my buddies, my pals. First of all, Mr. Brad Felicki. Hello, everybody. And Mr. Seth Singleton. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I love that. Yes, tonight it's a boys' night. I'm afraid our good friends Kendra and Kelly are otherwise preoccupied. But worry not, fans of Harley Quinn. They shall be gracing the airwaves with their dulcet tones forthwith. But in the meantime, you'll have to make do with us gents. And we have lots of news this week. Movie-related, TV streaming, comics and toys. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Let's start with the movies. First of all, great news for fans of the Cape Crusader and happy Batman Day, folks. Uh, this won't be released on Batman Day, but it's being recorded on Batman Day. And we have great news. The Batman, Matt Reeves' masterpiece-to-be, has resumed filming. Brad, did this make you as happy as it made me? Yeah, this is this is great news. Uh, it, you know, there was... Hopefully this gives them enough time to still stay on that schedule to have it released uh, next October, because I really hope that that this one does come out on time. And it's just good. This is like one more of those small steps towards uh, normalcy. So anything where things are moving forward instead of getting delayed or pushed back is great news. And I, I think after that trailer, we're all super excited to to see more of this movie and actually see it when it's finished so yeah i think this is this is great news and it's also uh, like we were talking about before we started recording uh that robert pattinson uh is okay and, and clear of covid so that is also that is also great news that it seems like everybody in the cast and crew is uh is safe uh seth what do you think I also think this is great news. I mean, it, it's really difficult to have any sort of framework for telling people where you are in the process of production. And yet at the same time, when you actually get moving, you can see what you've done, what you want to accomplish. And through a couple of days of sort of getting things back into motion, you can start to gain that sense, that that awareness. And I really think it's important for everyone to sort of get that, again, that spatial awareness regarding where the project is, where it will be. And through that, they're going to actually see, hopefully, if there are things they're still going to need, what adjustments they can make, and hopefully let us know whether or not this will actually have any sort of impact on their desired timeline. Uh, I think that they are probably a very uh, creative group that if push comes to shove they could do it but i also know that there's a you know responsibility that's being addressed about how they want this to look at the end so i'm happy with however it shakes out shorter or longer i know at the end of it the quality and care and the great product that we'll all get to see on the screen is something they're all considering so knowing that it's just happy to hear that they're getting back on track how about you steve yeah Batman's coming. We're happy. Uh, well, listen, we knew that Pattinson was going to be fine. I mean, let's be honest. Anyone who's read those classic storylines, Contagion and Legacy, knows that Batman beat Ebola golf A. COVID-19, ha! He laughs in the face of COVID-19. So, yep, yeah, the movie's coming. The trailer, just like you said, Brad, wowza. 
loved it. And that trailer was just done with standard lighting and practical effects. No digital jiggery pokery there, my friends. So when we see the finished article, it's going to be yummy. Speaking of yummy, mmm, rated R, tasty. Joel Kinnaman, Rick Flagg himself, does believe that James Gunn's The Suicide Squad will be an rated R movie. Brad, what did you make of this marvellous piece of news? I I kind of hope it is. Uh, everything that we saw, all the sneak peeks and the, like the character reveals at Fandom, uh, the whole tone of it makes sense that it's R. Um, but James Gunn can make a great PG-13 movie, too. So I think that either way, we'll probably in for a treat. But uh, I would look forward to him being able to take the gloves off. So hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for an R rating. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I mean, based on this interview, I have the sense that... Um... I mean, come on. <laughs> Kinnaman was really being colorful in his language description throughout this interview. So I felt like he was almost suggesting through his language that, yeah, you better believe in, you know, not so many colorful words as he used. But the ones that he did use point to me thinking, well, the way you're describing it sounds like you're you know, hoping for this to be a rated R, that the quality, not only in the storytelling, not only in what sounds like great dialogue, not only in the, the levels of violence, which sounds really, I mean, involved, extensive, practical was a word that I found used a few times that I really enjoyed. And it, it kept in mind this idea that they did mention that the body count will be kind of high. So I'm thinking that in order to achieve that and also have a maybe a gallows type humor that goes with it, R rating makes sense. And then I think of all the great products we've seen so far that have adapted the R rating and, and how much they've been able to express the, the deepest qualities of not only the characters, but the story in a great film without the limitations that might exist if they went for a rating that allows for a broader audience, but could also affect the overall quality. So I'm hopeful for this now as well, just based on this new take we're getting and so much of what Kinnaman describes, it's it's really quite a lovely insight to his take on the story, especially the second time around and with someone else at the helm. So there, there was a lot for me to take away that makes me think this should be an R. Steve, what was your take? It's a great interview, isn't it? His enthusiasm is fantastic. Is it me or does anyone who worked with James Gunn just love the guy and have a great time working with him? It sounds like the entire movie making process for this film was a blast. There was practical jokes. There was laughs a minute. And if that translates as well as I think it's going to to screen, this movie is going to be such fun to watch. But as you both said, rated R means that they don't have to pull their punches. They're not stifled. They're not censored. They're going to make the film they want to make. So um, we've said it before. We were worried that rated R films might restrict the audiences of people who go to see them. Um, Joker broke the billion mark. It was a rated R movie. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey didn't do quite as well, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm happy with this news. I'm really, really glad that if they decide to go that route, that they can do it. Hey, and who knows? Um, lots of rated R movies have had TV PG versions for their transmission releases. So either way, uh, I'm looking forward to anything James Gunn makes. So 
sign me up. Right, we know Suicide Squad's coming. We know Batman is resumed filming. But our dear Princess Diana of Themyscira has been stifled yet again. But we are going to get a nice Christmas present. <sighs> Wonder Woman 84 delayed to Christmas. Brad, would you make it this one? Uh, um, it's a bummer, but still kind of to be expected. Uh, I, I think that the big uh, test was when they released Tenet, uh, you know, over Labor Day, and it didn't do as well as they had hoped. Uh, I think that they realized that, okay, maybe people aren't quite ready to go back in mass to the movie theaters. So it makes sense because I, I think that they really want to make sure that this film does well. Because, it, it, you know, you were talking about Joker breaking a billion. Uh, I, I, I think that Wonder Woman would have that potential, in, especially in the old pre-COVID days. So I, I think that they really want to... Uh, make sure that this film can be successful as it can't possibly can be financially. So, you know, hopefully by Christmas, more people will want to go to movie theaters and, uh, you know, people will be with their families and a lot of people go out to movies on Christmas Day. So this will be a great opportunity for people to go and see this movie. Uh, I hate having to wait a few more months, but uh, I do want to see it be hugely successful. So, uh, and I still suspect it's going to be worth the wait. So I guess we'll just have to uh, to write it out for just a little bit longer. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I think that really this is probably a responsible decision simply for the fact that there really has not been a fully vetted plan for how to return people to movie theaters safely and how to do it in a way that works financially for the theaters experience-wise for the fans and viewers, and also provides that level of safety that we're still asking is going to be put in place or considered when it comes to public venues. There's uh, also this thing that you have to keep in mind with, with the idea of, you know, some events which can occur outdoors, but once you're enclosed, what the factors are, I really think that until that's been figured out, until there is a, a better understanding of how to address that or a consideration for the degree of risk involved until that's addressed. Right now, I'm happy to wait until Christmas. I'm happy actually to wait until it's the right time. I know that this has been moved a few times and I would be okay with there being a decision at whatever point to say, if we choose not to set dates anymore, it's not because it's not happening. It's not because we don't want to create the sense of anticipation, but that we want to do so based on some facts which we're receiving. Now, that's the one thing I'm missing from this story is the basis behind. I love the idea of hope, but I think that after a few adjustments, there is the possibility of considering where the facts can come into play, how they can be important in making these decisions, and knowing that there's going to be be that degree of certainty i'm still really you know in a few different places about this one so i'm aware that my answer is kind of jumping around but based on the concepts of safety i like this decision for what it means for decisions in the future i still feel like there's a process that needs to be established to help make that determination more clear not only for the people making the decisions but for who they're then trying to explain it to 
I'm going to stop there before I bounce around anymore like a uh, ping pong ball or uh, some other said implement, pinball. Steve, I'm passing to you. Tell me your thoughts. Um, in a way, I'm kind of glad because I'm still suffering a little bit of anxiety about going back to a movie theater. Maybe it's not just me who's feeling that way. So this pushback to me makes a lot of sense. And historically, in terms of box office, the summer blockbusters and the Christmas season tends to be the two that make the most money. So I honestly believe as we miss the summer slots in June, July, the Christmas slot makes a lot more sense, it's particularly just as you said, Brad, well spotted. Tenet did not do anywhere near as well as they expected, even after the lockdown reassessments. Um, because people are still a little concerned about going into enclosed areas, whether there's social distancing in play or not. So the fact we're getting at October, November, December, another like three and a bit months does make sense to me. And that means that hopefully Wonder Woman 84 will be a much bigger success, which is what it deserves to be. Um, Everyone behind this film loves it, loves what they're doing. It's been ready for months. We know it was completed way ahead of schedule. So I think this is a wise decision, and I think it's going to be a decision that profits both Warner and uh, everyone who made this film, both financially and artistically. I think it's just a much better move. So I'm behind this, and I think by Christmas I might be a bit happier to venture forth into a movie theatre as well. So I'm, I'm behind this one. I like it. Right, that's the movie news covered. So, gents, should we talk TV? Let's talk TV. And this is something that I know put a Joker-like grin on my face. So I'm sure that my two Harley Quintastic mad lovers will agree. It's official. Harley Quinn is back for season three. Brad. Thank God. Um, I was nervous there for a minute, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that they realized, Hey, wait a minute. We've got, we've got this amazing show on our hands. We can't let it go just after two seasons. That would have been, that would have been as bad as firing, uh, as, as canceling Firefly when they did, it would have just been right up there with that. Um, I, I think the show is really starting to catch on and catch a buzz. So. You know, and we, we've talked at length about how great the cast is and everything like that. And, you know, it's just it's great to know that that uh, we're going to get more episodes. I can't wait. Uh, Seth, what do you think? You knew it was happening, right? It was it was enough foreshadowing at some point between the ratings, between the response. There was a lot of uncertainty about what was going to develop with DC Universe. And we'll talk more about that later. But this was a show that it felt like no matter what the transition process was, no matter what the hosting platform would finally or eventually be, that this would be one of those shows that would be renewed. And I was dying during Phantom when they had the uncensored mail call with Harley Quinn and she decides to describe, you know, uh, her feelings on what it means to have not known that they were being renewed with Phantom there and a great opportunity to have so much about it. And Again, it was uncensored for a reason that I can't repeat so much of what she said because, one, it was so eloquent, and two, because it was so foul-mouthed. But the announcement is just one of those things that it has to be cheered for all of the things we've loved about the show and talked about on Mad Love. 
over the two seasons we've been covering. We're almost done with season two. If you haven't, check it out. It's it's quite the uh, body good time. And I really think that this is uh, a great inroad for some more adult-themed, really thoughtful but hilarious content that DC can look forward to creating in the future. I just say more Harley, more laughs, more good times. Where's the problem? Steve? Here, here. And I tell you what, guys, even though you might not be able to repeat what the wonderful Kaylee Kuoko said at Fandome, you have a wonderful forum and a little podcast called Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. So I can't wait to hear the episode you guys record where you do repeat what Kaylee said at Fandome because it's pretty darn great <laughs> and uh now we know it's official now we know we're getting season three now we know that millions of fans around the world are going to get their fix of harley and ivy well that's another christmas bonus for us isn't it harley and ivy and wonder woman 84 so um guys please when you record uh, the harley quinn cast tonight make sure you talk about fandom and now we've had that wonderful wonderful news and uh, the good news for streaming services keeps on coming. Uh, both Harley and this show st- uh, came back on DC Universe. Again, we will talk more about DC Universe later, but we're getting another season of Young Justice and it has been named. Oh, the ghosts, they frighten me. Brad, Young Justice, season four. What'd you make of this one? Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Just personally, I'm kind of happy that they are very early in in the production of, the, of this next season because it's going to give me some time to to catch up. So I have been uh, making it a point to try to to catch up on some of the the, the video content in DC uh, Universe. Now that it's all switching to Max, I'll have a little more time to do that. But hopefully, by the time you know that this the, the Phantom season comes out. I'll be all caught up. Um, I since I'm not really familiar with the show, I'm not sure if there is any special significance with the name uh, Phantoms beyond, uh, you know, you know, the, the general connotation. I don't know if there was any character or anything like that that was uh, called Phantom or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I I, I kind of love that all these DC Universe shows are now moving forward and, the uh, you know. The future of the DC Universe service itself is becoming a little more clear. So, Seth, what do you think? Well, I really hadn't given a lot of thought to what the title might have to uh, tell me about this upcoming season. I, I do know that you could extrapolate all sorts of details from the previous one. And I'm not even going to try and do that right now because, Brad, I need to respect the fact that you need to catch up. And I'm not trying to, you know, color that lens in a specific way or put a certain thing or plant any bugs in your ear or for anyone else listening. What I will say is you if you've loved Young Justice up to this point, this most recent season was just a joy. I mean, the way that it spoke to social issues, the way that it used classic villains to portray some of the things we know are happening in our present day life and the way that it shows that to us with that awareness that it's a lovely moment that these characters sort of turn the mirror on us and then tilt that reflection to 
show us something important in the show. This show did so many wonderful things. It introduced characters that I loved, cared about, became worried about, thought to myself, please don't kill these ones off. I love them. And that's a great feeling I want to have at the end of watching any show. I'm really excited for the fact that we're getting a fourth season. We do have some time, so I'm really looking forward to starting from the very beginning and watching all the way up and through. And I, I'm really intrigued to see how they can continue to do the great work that they've been doing, using what we know about us, and then also creating these great gems that, like, I mean, to this day, if I hear the word whelm, I think of that show. I think of it in the <laughs> brightest and broad, right? In the brightest and broadest ways. And it makes me want to feel like I can start a dialogue with whoever said that. And I can speak a language that only so many of us understand. And Steve, your laughter tells me you understand. I am overwhelmed at this, but I can't wait for moments where it's going to remind me about being whelmed. How about you, my good friend? Oh, Seth, absolutely. This news has me completely and utterly whelmed without a shadow of a doubt. Brad, remember last week when I said to Kelly how jealous I was of her that she can um, experience all of Dark Knight's metal in one go without having to wait? I promise you, brother, when you start watching Young Justice, do watch it from the beginning, watch it from season one. You will be completely and utterly whelmed, too, because before the debut of harley quinn the animated series this show was the only one to rival batman the animated series in my affections honestly that's how good young justice is and season three was six years in the making the fans are the ones who brought it back yes us strange wonderful people made sure that show came back and it came back brilliantly it came back with a grown-up feel to it but it's still a show you can watch with any child of 10 and above who enjoys action and superheroes oh brad i'm so jealous do watch them yeah because they're short episodes bold statement oh absolutely you're gonna love it because you can binge this show because remember they're only like 20 minute episodes so three episodes of this is a one hour tv show so you'll get through 26 episodes easy peasy lemon squeezy my friend and i promise you you'll love it absolutely love it love it love it so phantoms um for those who have seen it we know that we have lost a few dear comrades and i'm not going to say who for the benefit of the brads of the world who have yet to experience <laughs> this wonderful show firsthand so fashion fantastic man oh i envy you but the hits keep on coming we're getting harley quinn season three we're getting Young Justice Season 4 and, oh, may the donkeys be with us. Doom Patrol Season 3 is definitely coming. We are going to get the climax of Season 2 too. <gasps> Brad, Brad, are you as happy as I am? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I was not, uh, I definitely was not necessarily surprised uh, because, you know, this show has been kind of, like the um i don't want to say saving grace but it was it was definitely the show that gathered the most attention uh through the dc universe streaming service so i think that all the attention that was thrown to this show helped those other shows also gather gather people some notice from people which i think is a good thing and this is the show is just off the wall crazy fun so i think that 
um, yeah, I think that they were definitely smart to renew it. And I would not be surprised if we get a fourth and fifth season down the road as well. So there's definitely more coming from the Doom Patrol, I think, in the years to come. Uh, Seth? Also not surprised. Um, completely excited for the news that we'll get that finale to season two. At, it was such a, you know, an amazing moment to hear that that conversation during our interview and that idea of how close they were to wrapping things up. That was just like a day of shooting away and that one would have been. So it doesn't surprise me that be able to knit that one up. And then also we'll have the chance to launch a new season, wrap up the story and this arc regarding Dorothy and the sort of, wow, the ending that we saw to this last season and launch into season three and, hopefully a whole new wonderful cascade of adventures i've loved everything this show has done i love the way it has become this really great symbol of how you can take all of the dark all of the humor and through it is a beauty that's you know so powerful it subsists it continues it persists it's it's really quite a lovely thing i am uh I'm really looking forward to what they can continue doing, and I hope that it's a trademark that will spread to other great original shows. We've seen so much wonderful things that have come out of DC Universe. I, I just want to see more. If HBO Max is where it's happening, that's fine by me. What HBO did with Watchmen is a testament to their commitment and you know achieving a vision and putting in the work and the money to do it. I think Doom Patrol has a long and steady future ahead of it. Season three is just going to be another one of those hallmark moments. How about you, Steve? I could not agree more, my brothers. Uh, Doom Patrol is one of those shows that when it was announced, I thought, where are they going to go with this? Um, Surely they're not going to go full on Grant Morrison insanity. And every now and then it's awesome to be wrong, isn't it, guys? Because this show, the best. It, it's it's. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's nuttier than a sack full of squirrel poop. It is the best. And that ending, holy damn, that that was painful. And the fact that we're gonna see what happens, we're gonna find out everything that poor Dorothy has unleashed upon this earth. And we're going to get a full season after that, too. Makes me very, very happy. Um, Fingers crossed with the DC Universe and HBO Max news that's coming. We'll get both services in in the UK. Because we know one of them for sure. But we need HBO Max here, guys. We need it. We need it. Even if it's just for Doom Patrol Season 3. Can't wait. Right. More good news. And this time from my side of the planet. The wonderful Shivani Guy, who's a very well-known actress here in the UK through shows like EastEnders and appearing in London has fallen with uh, Jared Butler as well. Uh, you guys probably will know from Dominion, has been cast as the Pirate Queen Sophia from the island of Coriana for season two of Batwoman. Now, I'm really happy about this because I'm a fan of the actress. Brad, Seth, tell me what you think. I'm glad that you you uh, you know of her because I, she was she's kind of a new discovery for me. I I, uh, I haven't watched Dominion, so I'm glad that she does have uh, you know she's she's more well known uh, in England. 
you know, I this the second season, there's so many unknowns and it's going to be so interesting to watch how it all plays out between now and when we get this, you know, season two and see how they're dealing with the, you know, the, the character switch to a new to a new Batwoman. So it's kind of cool that that these new that this news can come out. We're getting closer and closer to um you know th- that production kicking in as well because when you know fandom they hadn't even really worked together yet um the the, the new batwoman and, and the rest of the cast so you know uh it's good that you know that that's it looks like this is getting back on track too and it, it I'm, I'm guessing she's playing a villain so um that's kind of interesting as well uh seth what do you think well, in this one, I'm really going to rely a lot on, Steve, any insights you can provide, because so much of this sounds like it has layers that would be uh, tied to some Batwoman lore. Uh, if not, then I'm intrigued to see how it can fit in, and I'm going to be looking, you know, again <laughs> to your guidance regarding this, simply because, one, the name Sophia, it, it has a lovely ring to it. it it's got a, a mystery that also complements the desert rose and it describes in this story that both are aliases and then tell me about how her you know presence existence as a you know compassionate charismatic protector on the island of Coriana has an influence on the story that we're going to see tying into the new batwoman and brad you also pointed out I love that this is an added layer to so much mystery and uncertainty that we don't have about or that we have about the upcoming season about what it's going to hold and how it's going to bring us in and then what adventure it's going to take us on. This seems like it's just one of the great elements that can make that season full of great surprises. I'm intrigued and curious. And now, of course, I turn it over to the man who has more than a few nicknames for his wisdom and wit. Steve? Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, yes, Brad, she's a very well-known actress here in the UK and um, perfect casting for this character. Um, Sophia, or possibly Sophia, we'll find out for sure when we see it in live action because it's just the way we read it for now, is a character that made was made very prominent in the Rebirth era of Batwoman, with uh, Marguerite Bennett and James Tynan IV's run on the late Lamented series, which was cut down way too short. Um, Long and short of it is, she's a character that came into Batwoman's life in the year between her being discharged from the military and making her debut in Gotham. Um, The pirate queen, Sophia, or Sophia, is a fantastic character. And yes, um, the best way I can describe her is like a female Doctor Doom to the people of Latveria, he's a wise, benevolent, yeah, protector. He, he's he's a great ruler, but to the outside world, world, he's a tyrant and a villain. Sophia is not quite as worldwide deadly and feared as Doctor Doom, but she is not a lady with whom to mess. And yes, there's a deep history between her and Kate Kane, which I guess they're going to translate now to Ryan Wilder, the new Batwoman. But the fact now that we're going to get this brilliant villain and she was name dropped slightly in the last few episodes of season one, as was Coriana, the island. Um, So I knew that if she wasn't coming in season two, she would be teased throughout season two. So the fact we're seeing her 
We're seeing Luke Fox. We're seeing the wonderful Mary Hamilton Kane coming back. Even without Ruby Rose's Kate Kane, I'm getting more excited now and actually wanting to watch season two, whereas I did lose a lot of heart for it when I heard it wouldn't be Kate Kane as Batwoman anymore. But news like this with a good actress, great comics character. Yeah, guys, uh, I'm getting excited for Batwoman once again so um hopefully you guys are too right moving on from beneath the shadow of the bat um no one can argue whether they're excited or not about the watchman tv show and when it gets nominated for every award under the sun and then picks up not just for creative arts emmy awards but also for uh top awards at the TCAs as well, you have to be excited. Brad, Seth, I know you love the show as much as I did. Uh, let me know what you think of this brilliant awards news. I, uh, you know, we're recording this before um, all the Emmy uh, uh, winners have been announced. So maybe by the time that uh, you're listening to this, we'll have even picked up more. But so far on the Emmy front, uh, it's won the Outstanding Cinematography for a Limited Series or Movie, Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Limited Series or Movie, and Outstanding, outstanding Sound Mixing. Um, so if there's any show that deserves awards uh, over the past you know, two years, it's 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 Watchmen, and and I'm just so happy that it's won these awards. Uh, you know, uh, the outstanding cinematography definitely deserved. The cinematography on the show was just was just uh, amazing, and the sound mixing with the Trent Reznor soundtrack, you know, for as an example, is just is oh, just yeah. incredible as well. It just works so well together, and this show just deserves all it all, all it's won. And as far as the TCA, it's, this is, you know, this is pretty impressive list, too, of what it won, because, you know, the big one is that it won program of the year. And that is huge. And it won the outstanding achievement in movie miniseries or special as well. Uh, outstanding new program. I mean, you know, and individual achievement, Regina King who was incredible as well. Those are, those are big awards. Those are huge. So, you know, I, the fanboy in me is hoping that this can maybe help Damian Linoff realize what he's got in the Watchmen and hopefully inspire a, a, a new story um, because he is very adamant that he refuses to do it unless he has a good story to tell. Which goes back to what I've said before, where one thing that I that I love so dearly about the Watchmen is that whenever Warner Brothers, DC, whatever, decides to do something with these characters, they take it very seriously and you're almost always guaranteed quality. I know that there was some missteps with uh, before Watchmen, but even overall, that was pretty good. So I I want to see more Watchmen. So hopefully winning these incredible awards will help. Um, help with the inspiration and, and we'll get to see some more so that's that's the fanboy me speaking uh seth what do you think brad after listening to you i think you need to write an essay or an editorial it needs to say something along the lines of dear mr lindelof 
please be aware of the following. I beseech you, sir, because I really think that if you were to make that statement and this isn't the first time you've pointed out that you're hoping for the information that we're sharing to be part of the inspiration for him. I think if you were to catalog all that and then present it to him in (laughs) a format of any kind, you can even do it on here, man. I would happily block out however many minutes of time you needed on an upcoming episode to be like, and now we have a word from Brad in a special to Mr. Lindelof. Please take in, enjoy, because I really think that you make passionate arguments each time. And they're based on great sound reasoning, I think. Here's the thing, too, that I always love about Damien's approach to the Watchmen is that, like I said, he, you know, taking it seriously. But hearing him talk about Watchmen and what a fan he is and the effect it had on him when he was younger, I feel that same way about the story. And it means that much. So I get that. I get how much the story can mean to people because it means that much to me so i i definitely see that reflected so of course i want to see him play in that sandbox some more for sure and with good reason i mean the awards that we're talking about here i mean one the creative arts those are a great recognition for a lot of individual elements that i think should be it's almost like we're making two different cases here one for why it should win all the emmys and the awards it's won now that we're talking about are, are great solid foundations and you know examples and claims or supporting evidence for those arguments and then another argument for this to be you know like inspiration for Lindelof to go ahead and pick up that next season of Watchmen now uh, one these these awards are examples that point to not only how the Emmys and the creative arts section are looking at Watchmen and the specifics but as you pointed out, Brad, uh, the critics are, are going ahead and saying, yes, there is a great performance here that is an individual achievement in drama. It also had the new program. It also has program of the year. These are all things that feel like they're building blocks to a really impressive run at the Emmys. I, I think they're great reasons to continue making that sort of plea towards uh, Damian Lindelof about this. And I think that he's going to get there. I mean, I I think he can be encouraged, but I also feel like there was a moment when working with this story and based on the passion that you've described as well, one that you can match as a fan and as a a fellow uh, sort of, I would actually have to say scholar, as I know both you and Steve are when it comes to uh, Watchmen. I believe that there's that recognition as well that when you go into it, there has to be like, it's like magic. You have to go in with the right intentions, right? If you go in with the wrong intentions, it's just going to like mess you up. (laughs) And I feel like he knows that there's a magical quality to Watchmen that he has to know it in himself when he goes into that story. Now, what he needs in order to get there or how close or far off I really am. Only he can say, sir, you're welcome to come on the show and have a conversation with us. We would love to hear your insights and thoughts and and maybe poke and prod a bit. But I do believe that these should be great signs that can point him in, you know, the best directions to do that. I want him to do it, too. I sort of know also that there's those people, you know, where like the more you push, the more they're like, no. (laughs) But if you give a little breathing room, maybe yes. Which one he's going to fall into, I don't know. But I love the response that Watchmen is having. It 
it makes me want to go back and just watch the whole series again and then go there. There's the moment where it, you know, definitely wins for this category. There, there's another moment where it does. And I mean, that's a lot of fun, at least for me. Steve, tell me your thoughts, my friend. 26 Emmy nominations. And Brad, brother, I could not agree with you more. We're both of, of a similar era when it came to reading comics and being brought back into comics and Watchmen changed the game and clearly Damon Lindelof feels the exact same way as we do he's clearly a fan of that book and it showed in every single scene in every single second of that tv series again um you said it brilliantly whereas there are a few missteps with before Watchmen none of it was bad some of it was very very good again with Doomsday Clock um, the care, attention and love for the Watchmen universe is evident in every stroke of the pen and in every line of dialogue and times that by a hundred for the Watchmen TV show. It was, is a piece of magic TV. It's a piece of TV that I will actually go out and physically own even though I've gone almost totally digital for, for TV and movies now. Um, that's one I'd literally want a hard physical copy of that I can just stick on any time without having to download or wait for the internet to, to stream or whatever else. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Seth, I salute you and I agree with you. Uh, we need Brad to make his plea to Mr Lindelof in person. So let's get him on the show. And also, Brad, you know what will get him, you know what will make sure he does it, is if you offer to help with costume design. <laughs> because Veliki Fashion here, here, is a respected here, here. name throughout the industry now with at least five people. So, <laughs> so Lindelof is number six, and that man's got clout. So that's it for our live action movie and TV streaming news. We're going to take a short break to hear about lots of other fantastic podcasts that'll tickle your eardrums and pay some bills around this place. So don't go changing. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, 
I am the night. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Shazam! We have returned for episode 86 of the DC Comics News Podcast, part two. Now we've talked about movies, we've talked about TV and streaming. Now we're going to talk about the goldmine, the well of power that has informed both those pieces of media, the originals, the comics. And Seth, Brad and I have already alluded to it. We have news. It's official. DC Universe will continue. But... As a comics book service, Brad, what'd you make of this one? Uh, well, I think we kind of all saw this coming. Um, so, you know, it, it was uh, it was kind of, you know, we knew it was in the cards. Uh, I, you know, I just don't know how... Um, how, how much of an advantage I'm going to take of it. Now, I, I might... Now, you know, it's I <laughs> on this podcast, I've talked so much about how I don't like digital comics, but I I reviewed the um, Beast Boy Cami Garcia book for the website and I used my iPad to read our, our press copy and it wasn't such a bad experience. I kind of came around to it at the end. So between starting to uh come around a little bit and to the idea that um those digital firsts are going to be on here uh it, it might make it worth it for me uh i, I do think that the comic fans will enjoy it uh, especially if they you know they, they're talking about fostering an idea of community around it and if they succeed at that then um i i think fans will get uh will get a lot out of this so, uh, so I'm not completely sold yet, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Seth, 
I'm sold. I've I've already been like submitting just random emails to whatever DC address I can find, and it it includes my credit card number as well as my expiration date, username, password, a lot of other stuff. I just want them to supply it to me, and I've been exposing myself to great vulnerability in order to make that happen. I I'm I'm in. I'm down. I'm sold. I was hoping for something like this to happen, and it is. And we've got an announcement. The only thing that I'm still sort of sitting around with is, but I got a bunch of points, and I don't know how I feel about wallpaper, which is one of the only things left in the DC Universe store, and does not equate to that Batgirl statue that to this day is like the, the one that got away. I am hopeful that similar content opportunities, uh, especially in relation to what Brad was talking about with the idea of uh, establishing a sense of community and creating that and fostering it. I think those would be really beneficial and hopefully supplant or at least provide a cushion for the loss of some of the original content that will no longer be directly available on there because it's moving along. I'm also curious how this comes into play with some of the previous content that had found new life on DC Universe content that it existed on other channels, whether it was CBS or others as television shows that now could be seen in one place on DC Universe. I need to look through this article again to get a better sense of where that content will be going. It looks like the majority of the classics and things will be on HBO Max. So as long as we're still keeping all of that, there's a win-win for me. And yeah, when it comes to the digital, there's some things, I mean, for example, Steve, without like promoting anybody's service, you introduced us to a great opportunity where a lot of us could get a hold of some great DC graphic novels. And in the process, I was really enjoying a, uh, a book that features the invasion storyline. That was great to hold in my hands. But then I had also remembered that at a period I had been reading Omega Men on uh, the DC Universe platform. So it was nice at times to sort of break up my reading of the physical copy with the digital one on the TV or on the iPad, and also to fill in some blanks about some history because parts of that I don't remember as well and I wanted to see how they connected to what I was reading in Invasion and make sure that I wasn't missing any gaps. And along the way, I'm enjoying the possibility of reading other old classic titles that I might only be able to access on that platform. So knowing that these classics and new digital first, like, man, that represent book, I'm actually a little annoyed. It's not a physical copy, but I know that it's got a home there. And if there's enough attention, physical copies might be available. I, I know that keeping a home for DC fans to go to for so much content is really important. HBO Max is going to be great for the streaming, but DC needed to keep something around. This is a great decision on their part. Steve, how about you? Yeah, um, I have to agree with points you both made there with comics. Um, Brad, like you, I'm a fan of the physical medium. There's nothing like going into your comic book store, chatting to the guys that work there, picking up your books, going home, getting a nice cool drink, getting a snack, putting your feet up and reading these wonderful comics. Having said that, in the last few weeks, I've been experimenting with a digital media. And like I said, on a tablet. Now, the copies we get for review purposes literally are still static. We're literally swiping the page and reading it that way. 
But uh, I've been experimenting with Comixology and the comic book reader part of it, the app part of it, where it literally zooms in on an image and takes you to the next one and swipes and moves right and moves left and follows the dialogue of the page. It's actually quite fun. It's actually quite immersive. It does drag you in. So I'm starting to feel a turnaround. And I do remember, Seth, you speaking when you first started reading comics on DC Universe on your TV that if you've got a big 40-inch plus screen and it does that and you can see some truly stunning comics art blown up huge that way and it follows you and your eyes drawn to where it's supposed to be drawn because sometimes with comics not so much these days because the letterers in comics these days are freaking geniuses and the way they place their <laughs> word balloons you can follow the story because i remember some comics when i was growing up where you did not know where you were going which who was speaking first who was speaking second and you're going up down left and right and some comics even had the little arrows go to this panel not this panel but these days that doesn't happen as much but with the app with the digital it does it for you in a way and it's pretty damn cool so the fact that a the comics are going to be continuing and it's a huge library which is just going to get bigger you get the digital first content plus hallelujah it's going to be a multinational platform we are going to be seeing it other than in the us that's already got me happy so i know that hbo max will have a worldwide launch as well because otherwise warner will be stupid because Disney Plus are killing it. It's fantastic. So to have the HBO Max, and as far as I can tell, Brad um, and Seth, all the classic stuff, all the old TV shows, Flash, uh, Birds of Prey, whatever else, is all going to be moving over to the HBO Max platform. So, ooh, I yeah, might have that, to be... I'm telling you, I... Sorry to interrupt, but I, no, I can't no, tell go you... For it. I can't tell you how much... Oh, relief that is <laughs> because yeah. I, I i really want to be able to go back to those old shows and i was so so and nervous that they were just gonna yep so nervous that they were just gonna disappear uh and, and you know exist on the what was it the warner brothers archive dvd sets and you know i no 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 i want them on that streaming service so that'll be that'll be great i was happy very happy to hear that the classics will will be coming as well yeah, I've done some research on that. And even though they aired on several networks, a lot of them now, because um, they're not uh, syndicated to, to those networks, only they're syndicated to networks throughout the world, and they are Warner-owned characters, um, they will definitely all be going to HBO Max eventually. Maybe not all in one hit, but they will be going. So that's great. So, yeah, uh, really excited about this. And to finally be getting it, in the uk just makes me extremely happy i was so happy for you man i mean oh, really this was the one bit of it where i was like finally. i can't believe steve is finally gonna get to experience this because it's been one of those things where i'm thinking to myself if more people have the chance to enjoy this they'll be able to tell more friends that globally dc can expand its audience i mean it's Really, I'm not that kind of a math person, but somewhere as an actuarian who's like, I can tell you exactly how it's going to happen and it's going to be awesome. So I, I really am. I'm thrilled. I mean, I, I think you're going to, you know. 
I think you're going to be one of those great new voices saying, let me tell you something I discovered on the platform. Let me tell you something that's been fun. Let me tell you, you know what I mean? That's that's going to be a great experience to enjoy because it's hard when you're going, man, I want to tell some people, but I don't want other people to feel left out. No one has to feel left out anymore. And that's that's a great thing that comics have the ability to do for so many. So I, I love that this platform can extend that now and to all of our international brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, nephews. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, man. Oh, I cannot wait. It's finally, finally. Oh, <laughs> can't wait. Another thing I can't wait for, particularly after having read the magnificent Detective Comics 1027, is the continuing adventures of the original 1939 Batman who shot horror is back on the comics page in all his purple gloved glory. Brad, would you make of this continuation of the Generations storyline? Yeah, I I'm glad that they didn't kind of, you know that that's it was kind of up in the air after Dan Dio left what was exactly going to happen with the whole generation thing, and I really kind of liked that um, timeline that they had uh, you know come up with. So I'm glad to see that that can still be kind of used, and I. Uh, I'm, I'm loving the um, the characters that are included in uh, in this. Um, th- this team just sounds like you know insane. I can't wait to see them work together. Uh, it's let me find here exactly who who it was. I don't want to miss anybody here. Um, but it's uh, Bat- the original Batman from 1939, Commandi, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, Doctor Lightsteel, and Sinestro. Now that's that's a fun team and sometimes reading comics you know it's fun to see what happens when different characters get thrown together and this will be definitely fun in that in that sense so yeah i'm looking forward to reading this uh seth what do you think okay so i'm just gonna have a little bit of fun with the fact that as i'm reading the part that you were just reading out loud to us brad i noticed that they have sinestro twice now, if this means we could potentially have two different Sinestros from two different, yeah, <laughs> that could be <laughs> Green Lantern Sinestro and Yellow Lantern Sinestro. Why not? Oh man, that could be that could be a lot of fun. But even if that's not true, and this is just one of those funny typo moments that happens to anybody or everybody, uh, the combination that you have with Batman Commandy, Commandy with Starfire Sinestro Booster. I mean, the idea of Commandy being like, "Yeah, so Booster sent me." Yeah. I need your help. Okay. Like that alone is just its own madcap zany, but the idea of this team going on. And then I'm intrigued to see how this generations will play out, what this shattered experience will be like. Um, It it sounds like it's just a great opportunity to do a lot of exploring and also uncover these moments where these writers have now discovered, hey, we've got a thread line here. And if we follow these moments, we can tell this great story about uh, the many timelines of DC and what's important enough for these characters who you would never put on a team together unless you want to see sparks fly. Work together to achieve some goal that benefits them all and in turn us as the readers who get to enjoy the great story. I, I think this is just a glimpse of what other sort of wild and unpredictable possibilities might be on the horizon. But I'm also intrigued to hear more of what the rest of us might discover. So 
Brad, I love the way you're going. Steve, take us home, brother. Yeah. Um, well, for a start, Batman. So I'm already signed up. But that team, oh, ho, ho. it's like a dream team uh, and a team that could be the f- worst nightmare you could ever imagine. I mean, having Dr. Light on the same team as Batman and Starfire and Commandy and Steel, he's back. Thank goodness. Love that guy. John Henry Lyons is a G. Um, I'm excited. I really cannot wait to read more because that story in Detective 1027 just it just made me smile it made me sit up and smile calendar man is a visible threat and then we still don't know what the hell is going on what happened to the wayne gallery why bruce has reverted to his original form as created by bill finger and bob kane i just can't wait to read more and just get drawn into this wild crazy adventure it's 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 everything i love about comics uh, metal started it it, it threw the bonkers at us wrapped around a brick and it hit me straight in the fields in the heart and in the head and i want more right moving from the caped crusade of the dark knight let's talk about the man of steel and i know that certain friends of ours (coughs) matthew b lloyd will be quite happy with this news even if uh, certain fans of brian michael bendis won't uh Bendis' run on Superman and Action Comics will end in December. Brad? Yeah, this this seemed to be kind of polarizing, uh, his run on these Superman books. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm sure some are excited to see a new team take over. And, you know, others are going to miss his unique touch. Uh, I, I, I think overall... Maybe there needs to be a new fresh voice because I don't think that this run has had the impact that um, recent runs, you know, uh, Tom King and Tinian on Batman and things like that have made. So and Justice League Dark and things like that, it hasn't had that kind of impact. And uh, so maybe it is time for fresh blood to take over. And really, Bendis doesn't have to worry. Uh, you know, he, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll find other things to write. And there'll be other people that and, and DC will probably give him you know more work. So um, I, I guess maybe it's time for uh, for us to uh, to move on with the new creative team. And um, I guess we'll we'll see what happens with that a little down the road. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I was really caught by what a surprising sort of polarizing effect he had when he took over at action and his roles uh, with the character and the way that he's portrayed these stories at times I've been impressed and other times I've had moments of going okay I I needed something more from this and I didn't get it and there have been his detractors who thankfully stay in sort of muffled grumbles Steve, that was so tactfully done, my friend. Love you for it, brother. Um, But whoever you are out there, if you heard your name mumbled, well, you weren't mistaken. We all heard it, too. And I think, really, if you're writing, you're going to take a swing at every great idea, every great project, every great opportunity. That doesn't mean you're always going to connect. And even when you do, you might only get a few solid hits. Other times, it's like... Nothing can break your rhythm. Like you are just that guy with the wadded up, balled up piece of paper, flicking it into the wastebasket, and baby, you can't miss. And when that's happening, I've seen Brian Michael Bendis make Legion of Superheroes, Naomi, so many other stories, wonderful, 
beautiful, uh, majestic and magnificent. But at times I've also found some of his stories to be questions for me where I find myself going, how important is it to talk around the story instead of talking through or developing? And at times I understand laying the groundwork and at other times I don't see it. I do agree that with classic characters, iconic characters, it's always great to change up, um, bring in new blood, new opportunities, new takes, new creative teams. And I, I think that as long as he brings this one to a close in a way that we can see what he was doing up to this point and the way it's going to tie together with so many other titles that they mentioned in this story, we're still going to find a lot of benefits when he does pen this final punctuation on his last story. But I'm also intrigued to hear what others like my good friend Steve would have to say. How about you, buddy? I remember when it was announced that Brian Bendis was coming over to DC from Marvel. I, for one, got very excited because I loved his Marvel work, particularly his amazing stellar work on the Ultimate Spider-Man series, the creation of Miles Morales and so much more. But the trouble is that the Rebirth run on Superman by Dan Jurgens and Peter J. Tomasi was so stellar that if you were enjoying those runs, and I don't know a single person who wasn't, Bendis' take literally just erased those amazing stories and just took it on a completely different path. It's like he didn't care what came before, and that was the upsetting side of it. I mean, I must say, I haven't hated anything he's done on Superman or Action Comics, but it did fall a little flat after the excellence that preceded it. But like you said, Seth, his Young Justice stuff, most of his Legion stuff... Um, has been really good and his Batman miniseries Batman Universe that was fan bloody tastic that I absolutely loved and again his one little story in Detective 1027 is really good too so maybe he wanted to put a stamp on Superman and it didn't quite work I know a few people who do really enjoy his run but most of them didn't read what came before. They literally started reading Superman action comics because of Brian Bendis. Now, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing because the title still sells well and him being on it brought in readers who hadn't read it before. So I can't knock the guy. Am I a huge fan of his Superman work? No. Do I hate it? No. Um, but yeah, like you say, all these characters need an injection of fresh blood every now and then. Um, we had legendary runs on the batman books by scott snyder uh james tynan followed on as did tom king on batman and detective and now tynan's on batman and we've got peter j tomasi who as i already said did fantastic work on superman on detective comics so we need these shake-ups we need the fresh blood we need the new stories so he's moving on for superman and action comics looks like he's still going to continue with uh, legion Let's see if he's got a Batman project or two, because based on what he's done with the character so far, I actually do want to read more. So um, joking aside, I agree with a lot of our dear colleague Matthew says about Bendis' run on Superman. I don't <laughs> despise it quite as much as he does, but I do get where he's coming from. But um, let's see what happens next. Um, we've had that era. It's coming to a close. If you love it, awesome. I love that you love it. If you didn't, hey, something new's coming, so everybody wins. Right, 
that's Superman taken care of. In other comic book related news, hmm, Vikings, endless winters. I'm shivering with anticipation. What about you, Brad? Uh, yeah, this seems this. Um, it seems like it's going to be a little more. Uh, not low key, but it's not going to be as far reaching of an event as I was kind of expecting. Uh, but it seems interesting. And I like the idea that they are bringing back, uh, you know, um, an older character um, with uh, with the um, with the knight. Uh, so, you know, it should be interesting. These the, Again, these are some fun characters to see being put put together. So that'll be fun. And it, it's it's cool to see some uh, of Black Adam because with the movie coming out, it's good to get that character back in the spotlight. So uh, that's cool. And I love anything with Swamp Thing in it. So, yeah, so this should this should be another fun one. And, uh, you know, I haven't um, read much of uh, Ron Mars lately, so it's I'm kind of interested to. Uh, get back into reading some of his stuff again so i'm glad that he's writing it so yeah i'm kind of psyched for this it should be it should be uh some good fun uh seth i'm also excited for this i i really loved back in uh an earlier justice league timeline back oh goodness it was back when we first came across um Oh, their names are all going to escape me now. It'll all come back to me when I when I need to, like, not recall it. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. But there was an earlier version of the Justice League shown, one in which so many ideas were, were twisted, but also reflected what would have been the best values of a previous age. And it was a really wonderful uh, combination of original characters um it was where we first had the opportunity to see uh Gememne, where we also who now you know we've recently oh, had league of agents. See. thank you league of agents i knew it was gonna thank you man league of agents was one of my favorite stories it was one of my favorite collections because it 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 showed just all of this wonderful possibility i mean there were there were some original original and like horrifying ideas existing there like the idea of, you know, child sacrifices in order to feed this mystical armor that was so advanced and yet at the same time required such a bloody uh, sacrifice or fuel in order to keep it going. And then these other elements that, for all intents and purposes, represented some of the best thinking of its time, but by our modern standards seemed cruel and barbaric. And also how when facing a modern Justice League, the savagery was just <laughs> it was such a juxtaposition so i think this is a great opportunity to consider that idea and as we pointed out with an amazing cast of characters there's just a lot of fun to be had so steve thank you for saving me there tell me your thoughts on this story yeah we were talking about the league of ancients and the way they were semi-reintroduced in the most recent season of supergirl as well we both got really excited because it's a great great storyline and this does have that feel um anything to do with time travel and a bit of sword and sorcery and barbarian action yeah I, i'm right in there and the team we're going to get during this endless winter uh, mark sounds great too now in a way I agree, but I'm kind of disappointed that it's not going to be the big, massive thing that I thought it was going to be. But we've got that going on with uh, death metal. So 
if we get a little break and then another semi-serious um, arc crossover type story, I can live with it because I think that Death Metal is going to be the uh, the big story of, of this year and and the the first half of next, and it's going to have really major ongoing repercussions. But this endless winter story, yep, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And what I'm really happy about is, again, Brad, you and I think alike, anything with Swamp Thing, sign me up, definitely. But also, um, we all know that a few DC books are coming to an end soon, and one of them is is one of my favourites. I think it's one of the best books on the shelves is Teen Titans. Uh, and according to this article, um, the Teen Titans are also going to be involved, and they're going to meet a brand new hero as part of this story too. So... It's not going to be the big sprawling mega saga that I thought it was going to be, but it's going to involve some characters I love in a brand new setting and situation. So, yeah, sign me up. Take me through a journey to the endless winter. Let's meet Eric the Red and the Norse gods and have lots of fun discovering strange new continents where they get streaming services well before anywhere else in the world. Right. Now. Tom King, we've mentioned him. He did some wonderful things with Mr. Miracle and the Vision for Marvel. And now he's bringing back the camouflaged faced wonder that is Rorschach. And there's a few Watchmen fans on this show who may be excited to know that he's not the only Watchmen character coming back in the forthcoming to our issue Rorschach series. Brad. Are you trembling with anticipation, my friend? I am. Uh, and I'm so glad that we're going to get to see some Night Owl. Because poor Dan Dryberg, he just totally got left behind on right. Doomsday Clock and the Watchmen show. I'm like, come on, give give Dan some love. So I, I'm so happy that we're going to get to see more Night Owl. Um, because I think that, yeah, he deserves a little more time to shine. And he's been criminally overlooked in uh, in both of, like I said, Doomsday Clock and the TV show. So, yeah, and I love Tom King's writing, so I can't wait to see what he does with these characters. And it's going to be fun to, you know, to see him get to play in the sandbox with all the characters and not just, say, Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for the series. I, I, uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, Seth? Not only can I not wait to read this series, but now I get to do that what does it mean thing whenever you're shown just an image, just one panel. But it, it, it implies so much. I mean, one, we know that Tom King has really shown a depth of research and understanding regarding history. His ability to play on so much that we already knew about characters like Mr. Miracle and more recently with Strange Adventures and Mr. Adam Strange, and then to take those ideas and just slightly turn a corner on them, just reveal some insight, thinking, development, possibility. Now take that and apply it to this panel in which you've got the characters wearing costumes from different points of time, but dealing with a character like Dr. Manhattan, who simply doesn't see time the way the rest of us does. And it's part of a murder mystery, which... The current mystery in Strange Adventures has been a lot of fun for me. It's been a great moment 
by moment experience of understanding who these characters are based on what we think we know about them and what he feels is something we didn't know or haven't seen enough of or are seeing more clearly because of the importance to the story he's telling. How that can be translated to this panel, how it can be revealed in the story he wants to tell, and in something he's excelled at, which is mystery. In fact, it's something I've noticed with a lot of his uh, Sheriff of Babylon to uh, Vision, Mr. Miracle, Strange Adventure, the concept of a mystery of what's not being shown, what's covered that remains to be uncovered, and what it means or maybe is not allowed to mean based on the importance. These are all deeply (laughs) challenging ideas. And I love that it feels like he's already saying, yeah, I got your cerebral right here. Like, let's play a game, shall we? And that's just a great opportunity for me because all it makes me do is say, all right, clear, clear the mechanism, clear the slate, open that first page and get ready to be shown what you're supposed to see. Not what you think you're supposed to see, not what you want to see, but a great story based on something that someone wants to show you. And man, so many reasons to be excited for this. Before I just start finding rabbit holes and tumbling down them, Cottontail and all, Steve, I pass to you, my good friend. We've already talked about how much we love Watchmen. And this one panel, this double page spread that we see here is gorgeous because there they all are. And Brad, oh, dude, we are definitely separated at birth or something because I agree. Well, we got <laughs> Laurie in the Watchmen TV show. It was only alluded to what the hell happened to Dan? And why is it that we get all the dark, twisted, um, tortured characters back? Yes, they're fascinating. But the one hero, the one character who can truly be described as a hero in the whole Watchmen saga night owl didn't come back and that did hurt me because honestly i love ross shark i love the comedian i love dr manhattan but night owl's my guy i i loved him both hollis mason and dan dryberg i love those guys so i missed him in the tv show i did get a little bit of justice at the end of doomsday clock when we find out that it's going to be him and laurie that raise their universe's supermarine holy hell he's gonna have all the morals that the kents gave him on our world but the kick-ass vigilante fight training of two of the greatest heroes of their world in Night Owl and Silk Spectre. So that Superman is going to be awesome. Now we have this. Tom King, as you beautifully put, Seth, one of the most cerebral writers in comics and clearly, clearly a fan of Watchmen. I've seen some other panels. I've seen some real Walter Kovacs moments coming. And now this, ah, I'm happy. I want to read and collect and buy and treasure this 12 issue miniseries. And I was a Watchmen purist. I was angered by the announcement of Before Watchmen, but as you've already said, most of it was pretty damn good. And I was distraught at the thought of bringing the Watchmen into the DC universe, but again, uh doomsday clock was amazing so maybe i should just shut up read this stuff and enjoy it and when we get someone like tom king who as you said strange adventures vision mr miracle blew my mind but watchmen has that effect on everybody right so talking about having an effect the 5g reboot 
isn't happening according to Jim Lee. Brad, what did you make of this one? Uh, this is another one that I'm not surprised about. Um, I think that once we knew that Dan DiDio was leaving, that this was kind of his baby. So uh, it's not expect. you know, I, I was kind of expecting them to kind of ditch the idea. But it seems like between that story that we talked about uh, before with the... Um, the the Batman 1939 story. It looks like they're going to use some of the ideas. And quite frankly, I'm glad it's not going to be a whole reboot because I think that the DC universe is in a good spot right now, and I don't think we need to be rebooting it right now. So that that was good to hear. I I, I did not want to have to deal with another reboot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I guess this was kind of expected. Uh, Seth? Yeah, I think overall it's not a surprise for me because we you know, heard enough leading up to the departure of Dan Didio that elements that were supposed to have been put into play were delayed. And then through that, the decision to even discontinue the initial premise behind it. And then what was going to happen afterwards? Well, I, I think the story that you just mentioned, the shattered story with this amazing team featuring the original Batman and uh, a great cast of characters traveling through parts of the timelines for reasons that hopefully will become clear to not only the reader, the story, but also it sounds like maybe some elements of either continuity or history or something else connected to that will be explored. And because of that, I, I do love some of the things that Lee was saying in response to the concept and saying, look, we're not trying to do something where we dump everything one month and then turn around and restart everything and get a short term spike because of interest. But that we've done it without really caring about the characters when instead of going through that process, which we've already done and they've done it recently, more than once recently, they can do something different by using the characters that they have, the stories that they have already developed, and then using the possibility that exists within great original storytelling to show what they actually might have wanted to accomplish with the idea behind 5G. But then to do so through, which is described so well here, the organic storytelling process that makes comics so great, you can get us there without requiring uh, an ending and a beginning as consequential as numbering of books or concepts behind a line or a vision or something else, that you can take us through that experience and because of it, make it a more enjoyable and a richer experience. So I love all the reasonings behind the decision and the direction and how we're gonna see the concepts or at least the desires play out and I, I think the intention behind it is, again, like we were talking about with magic, when you go about it the right ways, it really, really is magical. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that magic can provide for us, what we can experience. And I love the idea and intention behind it. Use the characters, use great storytelling, trust the fact that the medium can do this and then deliver. Steve, how about you? Absolutely. You both said it all, really. Um, we knew it was happening when Dan DiDio left, but um, we talked about it months ago when the whole concept of 5G was uh, touted that 
as a premise, it sounded fascinating as long as it happened concurrently with uh, the ongoing DC continuity, not wiping it out. And like you said, Brad, we do not need another reboot. It's the last thing we need. But the good news is that with the announcement of John Ridley's Batman story with a possible Luke Fox Batman and with this generation story with the 1939 Batman, a lot of the fun elements, a lot of the cool stuff that was uh, touted for 5G is still going to happen. We're still going to get a lot of those stories, but they're not going to wipe out continuity and reboot the DC universe, which is the concern I had. So great. Uh, we're getting these stories. We're getting some good stuff, but it's not at the cost of the original classic heroes that we all love so much. So, okay, we're not getting 5G. That's uh, one thing. We're getting lots of good parts of it. And something else we're getting more parts of are the wonderful Earth One books. We already knew that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank would be returning to the Batman side of things, but we're going to be getting new, new, new Earth One stories. I love them. Do you, Brad? Yes, I I am really glad for more um, Earth One. And I'm glad that he says it's not going to be on a like very active schedule. Like, you know, when, when the writers have time and they, they really feel inspired, they can write it and, and, you know, put it out because I think that that's going to make these books better. Cause I, when I get, when I approach these books, I love these grounded stories and, uh, I don't think those would work rushed. I like the thought that goes into them. So I'm happy to wait a little bit if the stories are going to be as good as they as they have been, because this is like a, just a mark of quality to me, um, seeing the, the the Earth one. Like I was so glad when we got, a, a you know, when they came back with the Green Lantern not too long ago. So, yeah, I'm glad that they're going to the, keep coming out and I'm, and I'm happy to wait. Uh, Seth? I completely agree. I think there's been such a quality and care applied to each one of these stories that not pushing us to one specific timeline, not putting a demand on that development is really beneficial, not only for the stories, for the characters that the stories are being told about, but for the readers, because we get that chance to breathe in between. We get that chance to go back, review, refresh, renew, and then return through the next chapters that follow. I I think it's a really great approach. I think it's one that would be really helpful for other projects, knowing that you can space them out in a way that allows for time and thought, which these books really benefit from. They've been gorgeous works. Uh, I love the grounded storytelling, Brad, that you pointed out. I love the care. I love the artistry. I love the experience that it gives me as a reader. How about you, Steve? I couldn't agree more. These books have been like... Oof, what's the best way of describing them? They're probably like, what if Christopher Nolan wrote comics? Um, because, yeah, that whole grounded, real feel to all of them. And the fact we're seeing Batman, the t- Teen Titans and Green Lantern, in such a refreshing new light that's still really true that everything that made them great in the first place is wonderful. And with this news that we could be getting Aquaman and Flash as well, hey, awesome i really want to read these books and when they list the creators that are going to be doing them it's the best of the best uh, we've really got jeff johns and gary frank on batman but 
the fact that we could get Fontes Manapul and uh, so many great talents doing Flash and Aquaman too. Um, I, I know as a Flash fan, you must be excited, Seth. So side me up. I want to read more. <laughs> I want to be taken to these worlds and these wondrous places because that's what being a comic book fan is really all about, isn't it? Seeing something new told in a great new way. Earth One series, we love them. So that ends our comic book news. Let's talk about toys. All those wonderful toys. Um, I like Lego. Brad, do you like Batwings? Do you like Lego? This is going to be a huge uh, seller. Fans are going to love it because when you rem- uh, we all remember how people went crazy for the uh, 89 Batmobile when it was released. People just loved it, and this is going to be just as as popular. And I I love the the minifigures that we get with it. The 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 Joker with the top hat from the uh, like when he was on the float that costume. Um, yeah, that's going to be this is going to be uh, a real big hit for Lego fans. So yeah, I think people are going to love this. Answer. We have finally achieved Lego Bob, everyone. Yeah. Lego Bob. <laughs> yeah. uh, when I look at that, right. yeah, Bob was <laughs> yeah. All I can see is, uh, give me a gun, Bob. Goodbye, Bob. I mean, those the that that was one of those really lovely moments from Batman '89. I love that it's recreated here with this <laughs> great Lego figure. I mean, really. If there was one thing that came close to the Batmobile from 1989, it was that moment when the Batwing flies up in front of the moon, creates the iconic image, and then drops elegantly, almost silently down to Earth for the the next charge. You can recreate that now. It only takes uh, a certain price tag and a certain number of pieces, somewhere between 2,363, it looks like. And with that, you can create this wonderful moment from a great movie and whenever you feel like it you can say legendary lines like goodbye bob steve how about you my friend and i've already said it twice tonight where does he get those wonderful toys um lego clearly that's where he gets his wonderful toys from i plotzed over the batmobile and the fact that uh damien and uh a couple of other of our DC Comics news fellow writers have, have picked that one up. I'm sure they're jumping up and down with joy or terror at the huge uh, hole this will make in their wallets when they see this piece of beauty. But like you said, with the Lego, it's not just the vehicles. It's getting those rare, ultra hard to find characters. And Bob the Goon, oh, may he rest in peace, bless him. Love that character. One of the highlights of the Batman movie just as the Batmobile was, just as the Batwing was. And, oh, man, so many memories. I'm like a 19-year-old kid again when that movie came out and it restored the original dark Batman and um, people who only knew Adam West had their minds blown. Ah, wonderful. And something else that frequently 
blows my tiny little mind is whenever I see a new McFarlane toys figure. And oh, man, Last Night on Earth was crazy, wacky, irreverent. It was like Dark Knight's Metal meets Batman of the Future. And now we're getting toys and action figures from that part of the DC universe. Oh boy, I wish I was made of money. What about you, Brad? Yeah, man. Uh, I think the one figure that really jumped out to me was the Scarecrow with those huge hands and the oh, like the yeah. legs. I mean, that, that the sculpting on that is just exquisite. It's just incredible. I mean, McFarland Toys, I... I I always thought of McFarlane toys as the toys that I really wanted when I was actually a kid and playing with these figures, the detail that goes into this. This is what I had always wanted when I was that age. So it's really cool to see that become a reality, but there's just so much care and detail and just love poured into this. I just, that, that scarecrow is just, is absolutely my favorite of this list. And if you want to see a wonder woman with the Mohawk, you got it. So yeah, these, these, toys are, are just amazing looking and i just admire the work that mcfarland toys does now Seth? it's phenomenal from the mad bat to omega and yeah wonder woman with a mohawk and a very creepy very just horrifying version of scarecrow this was such a great series i i loved reading it i love getting a chance to check out the detail on these amazing amazing i mean figures it's it's pretty stunning um as you point out brad between the care and the detail and the legendary name that mcfarland has taken from comics to toys is pretty just unheard of and it's to the point now that if i was to ever try and attempt to build a bat cave in my present day it would probably just be to house all of these wonderful toys steve how about you I reviewed this series and I loved every second of it. I actually went out and reviewed the collected version too. <laughs> it's how much I loved it. And like you both said, McFarlane Toys, damn, I would have killed for these things as a kid. They are quality, pure and utter quality from the sculpt to the colour work, the design, the way they ripped off the comic book page and brought into gorgeous 3D life. I mean, for me, uh, the, the Scarecrow... The Omega and the one, oh, hell, all of them. I want all of them. They're, they're just great. Um, I loved Wonder Woman in that story and seeing her still in this dystopian, horrific future Earth settlement, still being the warrior princess that we all love was just a revelation. And seeing it in 3D, sculpted life, it's just awesome. Um, McFarlane Toys, I have to salute you because... You're just awesome. Amazing. And, and when you put on top of the fact that they're doing this last night on Earth story and with our next story, we see that they're doing a Target exclusive Batman White Knight figure, another series that's blown my tiny little fanboy mind. The excitement just continues. What do you make of the White Knight, Brad? Yeah, this is another one that the sculpting is just amazing uh the face just feels like so much like it's coming right out of that book i mean it's just uh, just amazing and i like uh, the, the color scheme uh yeah and these these figures are just incredible um and this one is no different i mean there is not one bad figure that 
that McFarland Toys makes. Uh, I just wonder how hard it is going to be to get your hands on this if it's uh, Target exclusive. But, uh, you know, I, I hope collectors can get their hands on it easily enough. But, yeah, this, this is just another gorgeous figure from McFarland Toys. Uh, Seth? Just ridiculous. Just so good it's ridiculous. I mean, just come on, man. Like, really? <laughs> How much do I want this now? I mean, just look at that cape. Look at that that glare, the the creases in the cowl, and the again the details, just the layer upon layer of details, the awareness, the consideration, and then the idea that this is just one. I mean, according to this release, there's going to be a repaint based on coloring from several of the colors. So pick out your favorite cover, look for your favorite version of it as a toy. That's all we really know, because other than that, we know it comes in 2021, but there's no window, no price. I, I, I love the fact that this is such a great teaser for all the mystery, all the excitement, and you got to do it with this just amazing looking toy. It's pretty smart. I, I realize now that McFarlane is so many steps ahead of us and looking back like, come on, I got more to show you. Come on, don't stop there. Oh, come on, come on. Don't worry. More to show you. Steve? Oh, absolutely. And I like what you both said that how does he do it? Because it's been notoriously difficult. I mean, every other action figure we've had over the years has been pretty hit or miss into how realistically they either um, look like the actor portraying them on screen or the comic book version. But Every single McFarlane figure, I mean, we just saw with the uh, Last Night on Earth ones, um, did Greg Capullo sculpt these himself from the power of his mind? And did Sean Murphy sculpt this with the power of his mind? Because honestly, it's straight off the comics page. And both these artists are incredibly unique. They've got their own styles, which are hard to copy, hard to emulate, and very difficult, I would imagine, to translate from 2D to 3D. But yet here we are with another figure that is picture, pardon the pun, perfect. It is a thing of beauty. The collar, the cape, the creases in the costume, it's literally lifted off the pages of White Knight and Curse of the White Knight. I don't know how McFarlane toys do this, but every single figure they release um, is just a masterpiece. It's a complete and utter masterpiece. And here comes another one. Um, this isn't McFarlane, it's Mafex or Mafex. I don't know how you guys pronounce it, but many come have announced um, we've already seen Batman. So why not the Clown Prince? And we've seen Sean Gordon Murphy. Why not see another legendary DC artist, Jim Lee's hush version of the Joker? Again, I don't know what to say about this piece, Brad. As much as, you know, Steve, you and I would have wanted the McFarlane toys when we were kids. They're not necessarily to play with. This figure, though, uh, unlike yeah. the McFarlane toys, yes. looks like you could play with it. And it, that has a certain uh, a certain appeal. Uh, it, it looks very, I guess, practical and posable, and it looks like something you take out of the package and 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 play with. And I think that that's sometimes with with uh, with toys that kind of get misses out on some of these 
upper level collectibles, even though, again, the detail is great. And this is a welcome addition to their Hush figures because they already had, you know, the Batman, Superman, Catwoman and Hush. So I think Joker's a good addition to the line. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty cool figure. Seth? I think it's an extremely cool figure. And I agree. This is the one that you feel like you can play with, that you can sort of get down a little dirty, have some fun and not sort of sweat over the potential of what happens if I damage this beautiful thing and, and ruin it. It's gorgeous. It, it it has that that feeling that it wants to be picked up and moved around and positioned and through that, that you can have so much creativity involved with how you want this to look. You're scrolling through, I'm scrolling through these pictures and if you're doing it either while you're listening, while you've already done it or find yourself doing it because you went ahead and got one of these and you're sort of like, ha ha, look what I got to which I say, well done. Great job. How much fun is it to have him holding the knife to make him smile, to make him laugh, to, to sort of do all those things and feel like, there's a little more freedom with this toy. Um, not that there isn't equal parts beauty or sensibilities that go with the McFarland toys we just talked about, but there's something maniacally playful about this one. Steve, how about you? Yeah, like you said, all the poses we see in these pictures make this an action figure that literally can perform virtually any action you desire of it. And I remember obviously growing up with the Mego figures, which had the removable cloth costumes, but they had the built-in rubber heads that had one expression and joints that would crack with too much wear and tear and play. These new figures with the changing hands, changing faces, changing weapons, and, and the way you can virtually pose them any damn way you like is just awesome. As I said, I would have killed for stuff like this as a kid. But um, like you said, Seth, the knife and the gun with the bang flag that comes out of the barrel. I mean, again, you didn't get this stuff when we were growing up. I, I'm extremely jealous of the kids of today, but I also think they're damn spoiled brats and they get far too much really cool stuff that I wish I had when I was their age. <laughs> Grr! Breathe. Grr! But hey, what can you do? They're here now and... Uh, now I have a job. Now I earn money. And now my wife may not divorce me if I beg her to let me buy some of these toys. Oh, dear. Well, that's it. We've had a great bunch of stories this week. Uh, toys, comics, TV, movies, and everything in between. Gents, uh, a little recap. Anything else you'd like to add to anything we've talked about today? Uh no. Nope. I think okay. if it was going to be anything, it's that we've seen some great possibilities in stories with not only stories that we're already knowing something about, like Wonder Woman 1984, but the new revelations about Batman picking up filming Joel Kinnaman's take on Suicide Squad and all of these wonderful things we can sort of like play with in our imaginations, knowing that Harley Quinn, Doom Patrol, Young Justice are all coming back with new seasons and then these amazing titles to match them. It it seems like we've gone through whatever lull and in that process, we've been rewarded with so many great stories to look forward to. I'm I'm looking over this list and just saying I can't pick one. 
I, I have to at least try and announce as much as possible about each of them because, man, uh, there's some great things coming our way. And these feel like they're the prelude. So <laughs> I, I, I feel a little bit better about 2020 coming to a close and what, what's in store for us next. I, I have hope. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's refreshing to see see things pick up again. So and and even not necessarily related to COVID, but the comic side of things with DC, which was in so much turmoil the last you know the last few weeks, that's coming even a bit more of a clearer picture too. So that's good to see. Well said, gents. Yeah, 2020 has been a bit of a strange year. It's been a dark year both in terms of global news and uh, and I've had a pretty rough year of it personally as well but there is definitely light at the end of the bat cave so that's been episode 86 of the dc comics news podcast my brothers let the world know where they can find you brad you can find me writing news and reviews on dccomicsnews.com. You can hear me also on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast as part of the uh, DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And as for me, you can find me in all sorts of fun places like at DC Comics News, where I love to write reviews and talk about great stories hanging out here on the weekly podcast, hosting the uh, Spinner Rack, my top five pick for DC Comics. And then out there in the dark, wondrous world, there are shadowy, whispery corners in which you might hear the name One More Singleton somewhere on Twitter. Otherwise, you can find me in a more visible way on Instagram as Set the Writer, where you can also find my cute dogs, Bruno and Fiji. And then for the rest of it, check out Mad Love. Find me having great discussions with a lot of our great teammates in fun interviews. And then if you're just looking for an adventure, type Seth Singleton in the word story into a search engine and tell me what you find. Steve, where can the good people find you, my friend? You can always find me as many times as I can possibly manage on this wonderful show with these two wonderful gentlemen and our co-hosts, Kelly and Kendra, the DC Comics News Podcast, and on Mad Love uh, every now and then too, and my own little show, I Am The Night, with my son or a guest show, yeah, guest show, guest host, talking about the legendary Batman, the animated series. For my written work, just type Steve J. Reigns, your search engine of choice, to read all my news, reviews, and interviews across DC Comics comics news and dark night news but also talk to me find me on twitter at lstevo el underscore s-t-e-e-b-o because i want to talk to every single one of you about all the good stuff that we all love as for dc comics news you can find it on the internet facebook twitter tumblr instagram and youtube at dc comics news or you can find all these shows on apple spotify stitcher and google play but there's something else everyone out there needs to do apart from listening to podcasts, and that is to read more comics. We shall return. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs>